Hey, it's Coach Colette, and welcome to another episode of Coach Chat. If you are a consultant or a graphic designer or a freelancer or anyone that's working on your own to meet the needs of your clients, you're really going to love this episode. My guest is Nina Kaufman, and she is the founder of Beyond Solo. And Nina and I will talk all about something that she calls solo shame, which are the issues that sometimes stop solopreneurs or freelancers from growing and scaling our businesses. So we talk all about some of the internal issues that come up, meaning your limiting or false beliefs, as well as what are some of the things to keep in mind if you do decide to take on a partner or try to find a co-founder for your business. So this is all about helping you to scale and grow your business by looking at what's going on inside of you first before you start to bring on other people. So I really know you're going to love this episode. Get ready and listen up. Hi, this is Coach Colette, and I'm excited to welcome you to another episode of Coach Chat. And today I'm going to be having a conversation with my good friend and business attorney, friend, awesome person, Nina Kaufman, who is the founder of Business Exponential Consulting and Beyond Solo. She is an SBA award-winning business attorney, folks. Yeah, it's like that. And she's worked with thousands of solo entrepreneurs. Uh, She's been a media resource for HuffPost, MSNBC, Good Day New York, And like me, she is also a podcast host, which is very exciting. We'll have to talk a little bit about that, of a show called Cash Out Big. So welcome to Coach Chat, Nina. Thank you, Colette. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I am so excited to have this conversation. And I know that we talked about having you on the show to talk about this concept of solo shame. So talk to us. What does that mean, and how did you even come up with that thought or idea? <laughs> sure. So, uh, so yeah, it is uh, solo shame. Just you know, thinking about if you if you're familiar with Brene Brown's work on shame in general uh, and the ways that we do not allow our light to shine. What I found through my work with uh, the Beyond Solo people in the inner circle and just working with again thousands of solo entrepreneurs over the years is that one of the reasons for one of the big reasons for not growing, for saying, I just want to keep things manageable, is this extraordinary fear that they will be found out. This incredible sense of, um, I know I make the sense of, I'm making mistakes every day. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, all I knew was graphic design. And now there's all of this other stuff involved in running a business. I don't know what I'm doing. And people are going to find me out or they're going to find out that I'm making mistakes. And of course, when you're looking at Facebook or LinkedIn, what do you see? You see the A side of what's going on. You see where everything is perfect. You're not seeing the chaos in the background. Yeah, the air quotes. Um, You're not seeing what's going on in the background. So 
there's this sense, particularly when you're solo, of, you know, first of all, if you're solo, you're small, um, you're insignificant anyway, because you're solo. Uh, and then all of the other things compounded on that of the, uh, the comparisons with others who seem to be doing better. So we don't talk about what's going on in our business. We don't get the help that we need. And we don't take the steps to grow our business in a way that um, is really healthy for us. So the business ends up being all about the solo, which means you're tethered to it. You are, if you will, you're a slave to that business. And wow. you can't get out and you don't have exit. You, there's no exit strategy from being solo. Uh, so that has extreme long-term repercussions as well in terms of your financial health. Wow, that's that's amazing. There was so much in there that I'd love to unpack some of that. And what what's coming to mind to me as you're describing this is, is it? Would you say it's like an aspect of imposter syndrome? Uh, yes, I would say that that is a piece of it. I think it's it's not, but it's not just oh, um, I don't really know what I'm doing. I think there's also a, a fear, and it can come from being in, in uh, a highly judgmental society as well, where we only want to see the extraordinary A-listers. When you're thinking about who's showing up at business conferences, well, I took my, my business from zero to 25 million in 17 days. And, uh, well, I didn't do that. You know, 17 years, I'm not at $20 million. So it's not just the imposter, it's also that comparison with where other people are. Uh, I've heard in personal development circles, one of the problems is we compare our insides to other people's outside. Yes. And, it's, and when we do that, there is a hopelessness that can sometimes creep into the psyche. Again, I'm not a psychiatrist here, uh, but I'm, I've been through this and I've lived through that as well, as my clients have too. Um, so there's a sense of hopelessness and just, a, again, a fear of reaching out to get the help to get past whatever this is. Because right. that person will say, well, what kind of an idiot are you? I'm not going to help you because you're not worthy. Right, right. I, I feel like that there's, there's that saying of compare and despair. Yeah. And I, I shared with someone just last night the sense of if I'm scrolling on Instagram or any other social uh, media site or LinkedIn, and if I'm not liking or celebrating and going woohoo and high five and celebrate and congratulations, the minute that that shifts in my mindset to, oh, that's happening for so-and-so, why not for me? Mm -hmm. Like I... I close out the app. Um, so I've, I've tried yeah. to be really disciplined about that. And, and I love that, you know, so transparency, I, I, I also am the same way in terms of, I, it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen to me. It just means that I'm aiming to be more disciplined about taking myself out of that space so that I cannot uh, foster or feed that, you mm -hmm. know, negative self-talk of like, oh, you know, so-and-so just got this or so-and-so just landed a deal or, you know, so-and-so just got a new big client. And again, and, you know, we're human, right? We're going we're gonna to do it. So it's a matter of finding that way of, at least for me. So for me, it's closing out of that program, right? And sort of then being able to, to think about, well, why did this come up for me? Or why am I having that 
feeling or that thought as I'm looking at someone else's success. Right. And as we're looking at, because social media is such a prominent part of a lot of solo businesses, particularly the clients that I'm working with who are in marketing and professional services and creative services, social media is a huge piece of getting your message out. Um, so there are two things you're seeing on social media. You're either seeing the, woo, my whole life is so fabulous, or you're seeing what I, I, I call sort of the, um, the acceptable grief. I just lost the love of my life. My arm just fell off. My child has cancer. Uh, the thing, you know, there's nothing there about, um, you know, God damn, my business is a shit show today. And, and it was yesterday. And it's been that way for the last five years. There isn't the, the ordinariness of things aren't working out well. I mean, you see it in our, in our uh, major media outlets as well. What is news? What is news is what is happening. Not, you know, there's famine in Africa. How often are we hearing about that? Not as often because it's there every day. So social media is, not, is often not the place to get the kind of support. But to your point, Colette, it is the place where we're looking for some kind of validation and often really not getting it. And that's not the place where we should be looking for it. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And, and right. So I, I share my personal experience from that place of transparency, like you said, and, and right. But as the coach, when I put my coach hat on, it's right. It's about why, why are we seeking, again, I think it is still human nature, but why are we seeking more validation externally as mm -hmm. opposed to internally. So, right. you know, for my start within, it is that sense of, okay, coming back to self and, and celebrating, even if it's a small win, right? And then also thinking about or looking at what isn't working and thinking about how to make that shift. Um, but again, and I'm a coach, but that doesn't mean that I can do all of that for every aspect of my business, which I guess is your point, right? Sure. I know. I'd say even therapists need therapists. <laughs> coaches need coaches. Because one of my favorite phrases, and I use it often, is you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. Ooh, that's a tweetable. And thank you. And so when when you are in the middle of things, uh, there, and, and you are the business owner. Uh, there's an emotional attachment in some ways to everything that is going on. Whereas when you're coaching someone else in their business, you're able to see other creative options. You're able to see other paths. You're able to be much more objective about it because you don't have that emotional attachment. You don't have that sense of uh, success or failure or I tried this or I didn't. Um, you may be learning different things that you, that you can bring to a client. So it, it makes it... Uh, more difficult when for solos, especially when they're not getting an outside viewpoint to be able to move their business forward because they're, they're stuck in those ugly briny juices of, you know, I'm not good enough and, and I, I don't want to be public and get the help I need. But if you don't get the help you need, you're never going to grow. Right. So, so what are some suggestions that you have or that you share with clients to move because it is about mindset. I mean, we're, it's yeah. funny when I'm talking with you, I'm feeling like it's similar work to the work I'm doing on the, on, on life transformation, right? You're, we're really talking about transformation. So what are some of the strategies or suggestions that you have for solos, uh, creatives to move that needle forward or yeah. 
shift that mindset. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so, and that's a great question. I would say the, the first thing that I'd ask them to, in a way to go back to is, uh, Simon Sinek calls it the why. It's like, what, why, why are you doing this? Uh, running your own business is hard. And there's a lot of financial risk. There's a lot, also emotional risk. Uh, very often your family takes fourth priority. There's a lot that goes on. Wouldn't it be easier to get a job? So the first thing I would say is, is to reconnect with all of those reasons. Like take a step back. Stop pushing forward. Take a step back to say, why are you doing this as a way of achieving your livelihood? Is it for the time freedom? Is it the creativity? Uh, is it being able to be of service to particular kinds of clients? Is it making a difference in the world? Uh, is it that uh, you're finding a way to, to actually earn a, a great deal of money and then contribute to other projects that are really important to you? What is that that keeps you in the game? Because there may be ways over the years that they've lost sight of it. Uh, I was writing in Success Magazine uh, someone used the phrase imagination, imagination atrophy, imagination wow. atrophy, which I've been really sitting with over the last three days that I read that article. It's where we get so busy as solopreneurs in the doing and the moving forward. I'm going to visualize this great success. But we're, but we're not. We were just like so hyper connected and so hyper doing that there isn't that still, small, quiet space for imagination, for visualization. Because often what has happened with some of my clients, particularly in Beyond Solo, they've, they've been working, working, working for you know, 5, 10, 12 years in a, in a particular direction and haven't even taken a breath to say, is this really serving me and the kind of life that I want to lead? Mm -hmm. To your point about starting within. So in some ways it is about starting within and saying, why am I doing this? What kind of business would serve me best? Is it really one-to-one -one clients? Is there a more leveraged way to do it that, that better speaks to what I want to be doing? Uh, you know, asking all of those questions so that they can build a better business model and put on more of what I call the CEO hat so that they're really looking at the business as an engine to do what they want them to do. It's, it's not just for you know, the solopreneur to be the, the, the actual hamster in the wheel. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And I think you shared a lot of good ideas in there and that coming back to the why can, can shift or it, it can shift potentially direction or help with a pivot or it can reconfirm that right. this is the direction that I uh, want to go in. I think probably the scarier part is for some folks, myself included, when you have that why conversation with yourself or with a coach like you or myself, and what if it comes back like this isn't like, oh my God, oh, yeah. like, not meeting my mm -hmm. ideal goal, path, vision for my life. Right, exactly. And, and I, you know, I personally, you know, talk about transparency, I have wrestled with that as well for uh, 20 years being an award winning practicing business attorney in New York City, Ooh, I've got all the accolades. And then asking myself, is 
that really, you know, as I'm getting older, is that really where I want to be spending my time? Is that really where I feel I'm making the most impact? And the answer has been no. And so, it, I mean, it, it's been some years gradually letting go of all of the ego identification with, but I am a fill in the blank. Because our identities are, are often so caught up in what we do and the name of that profession. I am a lawyer. I am a coach. Um, and so then looking at, you know, the, the status that goes along with saying, oh, I'm a lawyer, everybody's scared of me because I'm a lawyer, but you know, so what, so what if it's not bringing me to a level of satisfaction in the kind of business that I'm building, the clients that I'm serving, the work that I'm doing, ultimately, it's, you know, am I feeling like my divine talents are really being used to their fullest? Right. Right. And what we call it is, is really irrelevant. So you've walked this talk that you're yeah, doing. yeah, and and I'm still in some ways walking it as well as I explore other aspects of passive revenue streams and things like that. What does it mean to even move into into that realm when where I grew up, you should be a doctor or a lawyer, and that's it, not right. multiple streams of income. What is that? Right. So, uh, so really, it. it at, for, for business owners, it often is looking at all of that conditioning that started when we were very, very, very young. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that to some degree, I, I feel like as a, as a fellow Gen Xer, I feel like, yes, we did grow up with that sense of the more traditional jobs, right? Like, you know, lawyer, doctor, mm -hmm. baker, candlestick maker, just kidding. But, you know, <laughs> but I think those more traditional jobs, and I feel like now I, I've also was having conversation with, with other entrepreneurs and other business folks about the sort of the slash where someone's like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a coach slash yoga teacher slash, you know, like there's a lot mm -hmm. of slash in people's roles now. And so I don't know what your thoughts are on that in terms of, again, that's still potentially being the hamster in the wheel in mm -hmm. some ways by, you know, but, but I guess, right. So where's the tension, I guess, between taking on either more roles or acquiring more skills that can potentially extend the reach because you can do a lot of different things with a lot of different people yet back to what you're talking about. Is it really uh, fulfilling the life goals and vision that you have. Yeah, and, and that's a great question. I happen to be married to a slash uh, who is an actor slash personal trainer. So I understand the, the slash. And I think, you know, part of it is a, a very positive reflection that in today's society, there is much more opportunity for uh, a wider expression of ourselves instead of just, you know, one singular career or do this to provide for the family. Um, there, there is an understanding of work as divine expression and divine expression of our talents. And we may have talents in a couple of different areas, which is a wonderful thing. When you, you think though about what it takes to build businesses or, or lucrative practices in multiple slash areas, an important thing to keep in mind is that the one resource that you cannot continue to grow is time if you are solo. There are only 24 hours in the day. 
So sometimes being a slash is a reflection of, well, I'm not getting the results I want in area A. Let me check out area B. And what you end up doing is diffusing your talents, diffusing your time, your energy, your money, and not doing either of them particularly well. Because there's a sphere of, well, I've been doing, let's say, law for all of these years. I can't just give that up to become a business consultant. But if you don't go all in, if you don't burn the boats, then, and you still have one foot in each, you know, what, what are you doing in terms of your marketing? Your marketing message is confused. Um, how you onboard clients may not be clear. The, your pricing and offerings may be different. Um, and, and often solos don't fully understand which of their service offerings are truly the most profitable. Hmm. So that is one of the challenges of saying, oh, let me just be a slash, which again, great. And look at what's really going to be ringing your register. And does that thing bring you joy? Got it. And that, and, and that is the, the, the rub, if you will, that sense of, that intersection, right? There's that, 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 the, I can't remember what kind of pipe. Venn diagram? Yeah, the Venn diagram. Right, the circles, right. Yeah. That's the most major, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where it's like, you know, the things that you love to do, the thing that the, mar- you know, that the market wants and the thing that you can get paid for, right? And so it's always that, that mm-hmm. and it's always a very small sweet spot, which always yes. makes me very sad when I see that Venn diagram. So is, is there a way to, you know, stretch out that sweet spot? Well, uh, a lot of marketers have said, uh, go an inch wide and a mile deep. So just because there is a small sweet spot where all three things intersect, uh, you know, a lot of people don't even find or have clarity on what that sweet spot is. So I would, you know, I would, I would just invite you to look at that sweet spot as is a wonderful opportunity. It's not that it's small and it's not that there isn't money to be made and it's not that there aren't a lot of people who need it. It's that finding the thing that meets all three is not all that common. So when you find it, then you're able to drill down much, much deeper and be of deeper service to those clients in that area who love your approach, need what you have, and who are willing to pay you. Because if they're not willing to pay, then, you know, we've got a hobby, not a business. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And like the people that, oh, I would love to work with, well, or I would love to, people that say to me like, oh, I could really use a coach, right? But are they, are they ready? Or people might say the same thing. I could really use, you know, that type of consulting service, right? Mm-hmm. But are they ready to make the leap and able to make the leap? Um, in that particular moment in time. Right. Hey, it's Coach Colette. What do you think of the episode so far? What are your main takeaways? Before we jump into the next segment, I have a question for you. What's at stake for your health if you continue living your current routine? The thing is, we get so used to doing things in the same ways. We're actually more afraid to make changes 
than we are to live out our worn out routines, even if they are causing us to feel ill, stressed, or overwhelmed. Can you imagine what it would be like to wake up in the morning and not have it hurt when you get out of a bed and to feel excited about your day? It is possible when you start within, and I'd like to help you to do it. You can visit my website, startwithincoaching.com, and at the top, click Start Here to schedule your complimentary activation call. We can talk about what's going on in your life right now, how you are in your health, and where you would like to be. So go to startwithincoaching.com and click Start Here to start your journey within. So I know that in you've had different forms of business uh, and you've also been part of a partnership at one point. So what are your thoughts on, on staying solo versus perhaps bringing on partners? And I guess from either the permanent standpoint of, you know, co-founders kind of a thing versus more temporary alliances? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is a really great question because it can be very lonely being solo. Um, what I, I encourage people, I'd written a book actually years, when my, so, all right, so full transparency disclosure for your listeners. Uh, I was in a business partnership for 12 years. It ended. And after that, I wrote a, a book called The Entrepreneur's Prenup, How to Choose a Business Partner Who Won't You. And, uh, but it, it actually, what it encapsulated was a lot of the lessons I learned in being part of a, a sort of a co-founder type partnership. Uh, these were things having nothing to do really with our legal partnership agreement, but that had, they had a lot to do with, are we compatible in our goals and our communication styles in the way we spend money in the priorities of our values? All of those things that you just figure, oh, well, we're, we're, we're in agreement. We want to build a business to a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. That's not it. That's not the day-to-day. That's not the foundational stuff that's going to get you through the highs and the lows. And so when, when you're looking for, you know, for solos who are looking for people, what I, and, and I say this in the book as well, the first thing to look at is yourself. If you're looking to bring somebody on because you're lonely, if you're looking to bring someone on because you need a cattle prod, if you're looking to bring someone on, uh, I, I don't know, who, who doesn't share the vision but is going to be a cheerleader, don't do it. What you want in a co-founder type partnership is someone who shares your strategic vision and direction but brings a different kind of skill set. So you can hire out for that other stuff if you feel you're, you're really ready. You can hire the coach. You can hire the employee. You can hire the freelancer to do specific tasks. Don't necessarily run into a partnership unless there truly is something the other person can bring to the table as a strategic partner or otherwise. And that comes, you know, again, coming back to the, the theme of your podcast, starting within, of knowing who you are, having clarity on your goals, your time frames, and where you want to go. Then it's a lot easier to, to say, gee, does this person fit instead of fitting yourself into them, which is always a recipe for disaster. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting, and it, it probably, I don't know, or maybe it doesn't vary. I'm thinking it varies a little bit on, sec- on sector, because obviously in tech space, there's often that sense of, like, so, you know, I've had different app ideas, but I'm not a technology person. So mm-hmm. if I was to pursue any of those app ideas, right, it's the question of, do I find a tech co-founder or am I looking for like a CTO, right? Sort of in terms of like you're saying, like hiring a person to either develop and or manage the technology side of the idea, mm-hmm. or am I actually finding a co-founder where we have that shared vision? And I think that often in those situations, or at least some of the stories that I've heard, it's, it is two people actually coming up with the idea together. Whereas mm-hmm. for me, like I have ideas but they're still my ideas. So right. anyone that would come in would be coming into and then would have to believe in that idea and be w- wanting to help me to build that idea or create that or manifest that right. VP. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier when, when you're really clear about what that idea is and who it serves. It's a lot easier to be able to say yes or no to partnership opportunities uh, because it, it's very expensive from a time and financial uh, point of view to have to let go of a partner. It is really, really hard. It's not like, oh, I don't like the blue blouse I'm wearing today. I'm going to put on a red one. No, it's, you know, it's like, you know, pull, pull your heart out through your throat. And, um, and, and so that's why you, you want to be very, very careful with it. It's like, um, although I hear varying things about this, it's like choosing a, a spouse, choosing a partner you know, a life partner, um, not something you want to run into and say, oh, hey, wow, you know, you both like Ed Sheeran, great. Um, <laughs> uh, let's get married. Uh, it, you know, you want to make sure that you've got, there, that there's something long-term for the two of you. Otherwise, again, divorce is ugly and business divorce is ugly too. Right. Uh, what about the more temporary alliances uh, where, say, we're going to work together on a project or we're going to work together uh, to pursue a particular line of business or mm-hmm. a particular industry. What are yeah. yeah, well, that's sort of like dating before you marry, which is kind of nice. Um, but there are two, you know, just things that you want to think through in terms of partnerships. So, for example, I've worked with clients where a graphic designer or a graphic design firm would work with a marketing strategy firm to come together and then pitch the Fortune 50 or the Fortune 100. So that way they, they were both independent, but they, uh, they could present a more united front with a wider range of offerings. And in doing that, there are a number of things that they, they need to think through. I mean, you need to think, you, know, you almost have to think about it like a machine. Um, where does the client come in? Who's the contact point? Uh, how do assignments get shared and dispersed? What if there are change orders? Where do those come in? How are we pricing this so that it's profitable for all concerned? What if there are changes in that pricing? What if a client say, you know, takes us down a garden path and then says, oh, you know what, we're changing, or their whole management structure has changed, and oops, the, the project gets canceled. What happens? So there are a lot of those what-ifs that it's very helpful to walk through, um, you know, almost like a rehearsal. And those are things that, uh, again, putting on the lawyer hat now, 
uh, certainly go into strategic alliance agreements, but are really helpful just to have as a matter of discussion. Um, and that's also where for business owners, knowing your profit margins, knowing your numbers is so, so key because it's very easy when you have a strategic partner, particularly if you're the one who's going to be doing the billing and receiving the funds, uh, to, to have your own share of that squeezed even more to make sure that you keep the client happy and keep the vendor happy. Uh, and, and so it, it does take some, some thought, and that's definitely an area where I, I recommend coaching if you haven't had that kind of industry experience before. You said you said know the numbers and and I, I I know I don't know I guess for me it, it's it's hilarious because I do have a degree in public finance but but when I when I think of knowing the numbers for my business there's always a part of me that goes like like um, and, and I'm I'm curious is that is that something that you see do you see that trend amongst any specific kinds of clients or is that kind of across the board? I'll ask the question broadly. Like, do you notice that there are certain, certain clients of yours or where you see trends of people cringing at talking about their finances? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the answer is yes. 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 Pretty much across the board. Uh, I, again, I will, I will say that my, my background and the mainstay of my clients tend to be in um, knowledge or expertise related fields. So, and the reason I mention that, you know, like marketing and consulting and professional services, and the reason I mention that is that they are often the ones delivering the service. It's not like they're they're selling you a pen where there's a kind of emotional distance. It's their own knowledge and expertise. And because they are geniuses at whatever that thing is, it usually means they haven't had the business training uh, because I'll tell you, certainly law school does not teach you how to run a law business. Uh, colleges are not necessarily, even in entrepreneurship, not necessarily teaching you how to run a small business unless you have a specific clinical program. Uh, so that, you know, running a business is not part of the conversation. And while it may be changing for women of younger generations, Women talking about money and standing in their value has not historically been part of the business conversation. So now we've got two strikes against us for, for not, you know, fully understanding all that. Now, fortunately, there are a lot of resources out there. There are wonderful CFOs. There are terrific books on how do you, how do you price? How do you understand your financials? Uh, and all of that. Um, but yes, I would, I would still say, and then, you get, get back to the fact that you're delivering the service. So if a client comes and says, oh, I think that's too much, or why did you charge me for this? It now becomes an emotionally triggered conversation of, oh, I want to keep the client happy. I don't want to lose the client. All right, I'll, I'll shave my fee. Instead of, hey, it, didn't you read our contract? It's there. That that's what I charge. There's a reason I charge that you're getting a lot of value, you know, shifting that conversation back to hello, remember the value that you received. And right. sometimes that can, can shift the client from, from wanting to change the fee. So, uh, so I will say overall, yeah, money is, is not a part of, uh, often a part of solo business conversation. Um, 
and, and many conversations actually. Right. Yeah. And, and as a, as a black female founder, right. So thinking even for, for women of color, there's that ex, another layer of uh, potential, I don't want to say challenge, but in some ways it can be a challenge in terms of negotiating or how one is perceived in the marketplace, right? So, well, why are, it can be, or what, why are you charging this mm-hmm. amount versus another provider of a different background, ethnicity, gender, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that is something that I personally uh, wrestle with sometimes uh, and particularly being in the wellness space, you know, and, and offering wellness services. And I do have a core of my market working with women of color. And yet we also do, you know, B2B business to business type programming. And so that is that sense of, right. You know, that question of, well, why, why would it cost that much? Right. There is that moment. I may not respond in the same way of like, Oh God, I'll just, I'll just cut the price. But there still is that emotional moment before it's like, Oh, well, here's the scope. You know, I I come from also from a consulting background as well. So it was that sense of what I learned was wanting to change the price. Well, then we need to change the scope. Right. So if your budget is that, you know, this is what it would cost to do this. And if, if your budget is less than that, okay, then what, what can we afford to take out? Mm-hmm your budget right smart you know and that also uh yeah and and thank you for that because that's an aspect to solo shame that again my my being white and jewish i'm not as as sensitive to perhaps um is that is you know when we learn to stand in our value what were the messages that came to us because of perhaps our diverse backgrounds and uh it's it's not just how does the outside world perceive us but also how are we perceiving ourselves Right, right, right. So if I've internalized microaggressions or other things that have happened to me from previous uh, prospect meetings or calls or conversations, then I may be bringing that into the next client, you know, the next prospect meeting or conversation. So yeah, I think it's, it is interesting when we when we think, I mean, the whole concept of shame, right, is it's all more often than not, it's where we're internalizing messages that really aren't true uh, or messages or things that we've yeah. heard um, and it could be in our business experience or it could be in our personal experiences. And now we've made that ourselves. We've made that our story. Right. Right. They are, uh, you know, what they call false beliefs that we are accepting is true. Got it. So, so when you run up against um, some aspects of those uh, false beliefs or limiting beliefs, how do you, how do you get yourself out of that? Well, um, I have over the years built a really great support team. Uh, as I mentioned, my, my slash husband, slash husband. <laughs> um, is, is a, a great foil, uh, particularly because he's not in my industry. So there's a very earthy wisdom that he brings, which is not, you know, oh, you know, sort of highfalutin, let, let's analyze this to death. Um, you know, He's very straightforward and to the point uh, about what are you effing crazy? Of course you're brilliant, and I, I mean, but not just from a cheerleading sense, but also as I say, just from a don't you see the, this false creation that you yourself have made, uh, which is really brilliant. Um, so I also have uh, my own brain trust, the mastermind group that I'm part of. There's a business coach that I work with weekly. 
so a lot of those people are certainly helpful. Um, I'd say also um, making an effort at some point during the day to do some kind of spiritual reading or just reading that does not have to do with business or entrepreneurship to, to keep my, my brain active. Um, I am also trying to do more to, to get into the gym and exercise because that's also a place where I can celebrate that small win. Uh, and I do like to drink wine. So <laughs> all of the above in different measures uh, during the day when I, when I get stuck are, are people and things that I reach out to. And, and, and not all at the same time. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, not all. No, certainly not wine at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Although I have seen these things about drunk yoga, which I'm not sure, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that for me would just be a recipe for a broken wrist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and so what I've also been asking all of my guests has been, what does start within mean to you? Well, I, I think we touched on that earlier in, in our discussion, of, at least from a business perspective, it is the, the foundational why of your business. Why are you choosing this path to earn money? Why are you choosing these particular services to offer? Why are you choosing the market that you're choosing? Uh, why are you choosing the services that you're choosing? All of those things are, are important questions that relate to, to having that kind of success and, and understanding who you are different from everyone else who may also be a rapid designer or an attorney or a coach or whatever else. Um, I think it's also a way of living more intentionally as well. Um, as, as my spiritual path has gone on its own uh, perambulations, just finding for myself, you know, where, who am I and where do I belong? And maybe that's a question I'm, I'm asking myself now that I'm older, in air quotes, <laughs> than I was when I was younger, in air quotes. <laughs> um, just wanting to, uh, that, that sense of wanting to, Fulfill, fulfill my potential and be fulfilled. And that changes. That changes over the years. It's the kinds of things that would give me fulfillment and joy. So how do I make, always make sure to incorporate that into my life? And that's, that is what, uh, I mean, it's a much bigger conversation, but that's part of what start within. Because uh, that's, that's the foundation for it all. First inner, then outer. Mm. Yeah. Whether it's a spiritual life, whether it's prosperity consciousness, whether it's your business, whether it's relationships. Uh, was it? Uh, who was it? Who was know thyself? Was that Aristotle, Socrates, uh, the Oracle at Delphi, whoever it was. It's ancient and it's Greek and it's know, know, know yourself. Know yourself because that's the starting point for it all. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And, and I love what you said about, I mean, I love all of what you said, but I love also what you said about the shift over time. Mm. And I think that that's really key to what we've been talking about today, that where you are when you start or you're launching your idea versus where you might be 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Yeah, and I think understanding accepting and celebrating that I am not exactly the same person now as I was 20 years ago. 
And by definition, my life is going to change. By definition, my, my friends are going to change. My business is going to change. My desires are going to change. My energy is going to change. Um, my ability to travel is going to change. All of those things are going to change. So instead of being afraid of that, which is another thing, you know, in my Beyond Solo group that people have talked about that fear of, oh, well, you know, what used to work is not working anymore. Okay, so what? So you'll pivot, you'll reiterate, you'll reinvent, you'll figure out why. It, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's like, you know, correct and continue. So just, just move along, realize that there are going to be things that shift and change. Um, what did I say? The only constant is change or nothing lasts forever but the rocks. So uh, it's something that I resisted for a very, very, very long time. And I'm now growing to appreciate that that, um, it, that just is, you know, fr friends come and go, those, that sort of thing. So, right. uh, so when we understand and accept that as a natural part, then maybe instead of fearing and wanting to hold on to what we have, we can let go and embrace a more abundant future. Mm, that's amazing. That's wonderful. And I, and I am glad that clients have you as a resource to be able to do that because I think that that journey towards acceptance of the change as opposed to resisting the change, mm -hmm. it is each of us internally doing it, but it's, it's always great to have support on that journey yeah. towards that acceptance. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, early on in, in the business, it may be, uh, I'm just I'm racing as fast as I possibly can. And there reaches a point in where many, many of my clients in their 40s and 50s where they're starting to wonder, okay, what's it all about, Alfie? Uh, do I really want to keep doing this? Do I really have the energy? Uh, more and more, they're saying to themselves, I'm too old for this. Beep. Uh, when dealing with certain kinds of client situations or whatnot. And that is a really ripe opportunity to say, all right, let's look at this business. Let's make sure it's generating what it needs to generate so I can live the kind of life I want to lead. Uh, because now time really is at that premium. It, it's not this yawning chasm of decades and decades and decades and decades. It may be like decade <laughs> or maybe, maybe two decades. Um, so, so that's where that you, you want to bring a different, again, more CEO perspective to what's going on so that you're designing your business much more intentionally to meet the desires that you now have. Fantastic. Wow. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you. I, I knew thank it would be. So yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. So how can our listeners learn more about you and the work that you do? Absolutely. So I would say best thing is uh, go to the site uh, beyondsoloinnercircle.com. Uh, it's my, my group coaching program, and we're going to be launching a webinar within uh, probably the next three to four weeks. So inviting people to get on the wait list because we're going to be teaching about we, the imperial we. I am going to be uh, teaching on, on the three T's that affect all solo businesses, which is time, talent, and treasure. And the, the problems of not having enough of all of those. So how do we get more time? How do we find the right talent? How do we earn more from the client engagements that we have? All of which are helping them to, as I say, own a business that doesn't own you. 
Mm. And uh, that's, that's the, the webinar that will be coming out. Um, so uh, there, there's more involved with, with the Beyond Solo group, but that is certainly the, the, the teaching that will be available within the next month. That's amazing. That's fantastic. And I so am excited to learn more about that. So I'm excited to continue that conversation with you. And, and I'm glad that you took time out to share your pearls of wisdom with our Thank you. Listeners. No, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. And so that's all she wrote, at least for today's Coach Chat episode. And for now, this is Coach Colette helping you to start within to finish strong.